We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 143. Coming up later on the show, we talk to Yankees pitcher Chance Adams. He had a dominant performance on Wednesday morning, a weird morning game. We talked to him about 10, 15 minutes later in the show, so stay tuned for that. We caught him on his, I guess, his night off. So uh, he was definitely relaxed and enjoying the fact that he had a nice outing. But before that, Scott, what's up, man? What's going on? We I think we picked a good time to start recording on Wednesday night because it was right around the time when Tanaka gave up a three-run shot, all because Austin Romine put down the wrong pitch. It was purely on uh, on the catcher, obviously. So we were that was our cue, I think, to to let's let's uh, let's get this show on the road, give Chance a call, and uh, we'll we'll start recording because obviously it's going badly again for Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess throwing meatballs in the middle of the plate to. Baltimore Orioles sluggers at Camden Yards is a bad thing. And um, can't blame Gary Sanchez for that because he's on the bench. Yeah, but what we could use right now, to tell you the truth, is that bat of Gary Sanchez to try to get us, to try to get us back into the game. That would be useful. That would be a useful tool at this point. The, uh, the 6 seven, eight, nine that Girardi rolled out today was 2013-esque. Uh, having Torres and Ref Snyder and Chase Headley and Austin Romine in there. It's a far cry from some of the other lineups the Yankees have been rolling out earlier this season. We're going to get into all of that. Before we get to that, though, please, guys, take a minute. 
to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It helps us out a tremendous amount. You guys don't know how much it helps us out and how much we enjoy it. Take a minute, pause the show right now. Go give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. Also, light up the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. Who knows? Maybe you have something to say about Tanaka's performance. Maybe you guys have something to say about a whole personal catcher controversy. Whatever it is, call it up, 646-480-0342. Scott, what do you think of my commercial infomercial voice right here? Yeah, it was effective. Good job. I like how you kept the tone and went up and down. Let me tell you, uh, I'm going to let me go a little bit more specific just so people understand. I think we always say rate and review. It helps us out a lot. You don't even you don't realize how much it helps us. Well, let me let me be very specific and tell you how it helps us and helps you. The more ratings and reviews we get that are five stars, the higher we go on iTunes, the higher we go on iTunes, the better guests, the more guests we can get. So that, that definitely helps us secure um, guests with some of these teams, and it just gives us more of an ability to uh, bring you guys better content. So please do that. If you are listening, you haven't reviewed, we really do appreciate it. We really don't, we don't just say it. We, it, it really does help us out because it, it, uh, it affects the show directly. It really does help the show quite a bit. And uh, we want to bring you guys the best show we could possibly bring. So if you haven't, please do that. Andrew and I definitely appreciate it. Well said. The first thing I want to talk about is Tanaka and the whole catcher situation. I, I know because it's what's hot on everyone's mind right now. And I got into some heated conversations on Twitter today because I tweeted something. I said, Tanaka is mentally weak for needing a personal catcher. And people jumped down my throat going back into time saying, well, Greg Maddox needed a personal catcher. Is he mentally weak? John Lester needed a personal catcher last year throughout the playoffs. Is he mentally weak? Listen, the guys can have personal catchers and they can still be good pitchers, but I don't think I'm out of line for saying that a pitcher is mentally weak for requiring a personal catcher. It's such a, you know, first of all, when, when we're talking about the personal catcher scenario, I think you have to look at each individual, uh, each individual situation in, in the context of that team, that situation, what's going on. There's, not every time when there's a personal catcher, and usually when there's not one, I, I, I do know that there are circumstances where, where this is the case, where there is a, a, a high-profile guy b- behind this personal catcher, but normally that's not the case. Normally, there's not a high-profile guy behind a personal catcher. When we're talking about this situation, first of all, I, personally, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's on Tanaka, so I don't agree with you in the sense that Tanaka's mentally weak because of that. I think... I think there may, there may be other issues, but I don't think it's because of the personal catcher thing because I personally don't think it's a Tanaka thing. I think I think this is, uh, you know, whether it's coming from Girardi or Girardi's just experimenting, I don't know. But I don't think it's a Tanaka thing. That's just my intuition on that. The, the second thing is that when you have a guy like Gary Sanchez, it's a huge deal to take his bat out of the lineup every single time Tanaka's up. You don't know the situation when Tanaka's going to be in line to, uh, to pitch to the opponent. We don't know what the situation is going to be within the season, within a, you know, within a, uh, a series, whatever. You can't predict that. So if you're so set in your ways and you have to throw to one guy every single time, and then in a big situation that comes up and you have to take Gary Sanchez's bat out of the lineup, that's a problem that makes your team worse. And look back at the numbers. It's just, to me, it's such a non-issue because you look at the numbers from 2016 and they go completely opposite of what we're seeing outside of tonight, because obviously tonight was a different story. So I don't really understand the leg to stand on when people talking about the Tanaka personal catcher thing, unless they're just talking about personal catchers in general. I just don't see it relevant in this situation. 
Well, it's a thing now because Girardi decided to try out Austin Romine on Wednesday night. I was listening to the pregame on WFAN, and Girardi said, well, we decided to throw um, Romine out there for a couple reasons. First of all, Gary Sanchez had caught four games in a row, and also they don't have any off days coming up. And a third reason is that Tanaka did well last time with Romine. So who knows? Maybe Tanaka, you're right. Maybe Tanaka did not request a personal catcher. But that doesn't change the fact that Girardi made it. It's a thing now. Now we're talking about it. This is this is now a storyline that is unnecessary. But it's also one of those things where if you have a guy, you're the manager of a team. You have your number one pitcher who is struggling, has a good outing with a certain guy. Not, not to say that that's a personal catcher because, again, that's one outing and it's only been a month and a half. But, but it was a storyline to... even before that. From when no, I understand Sanchez the storyline, but I'm, I'm talking about it on the team side, okay? I'm not talking about the media side. I'm talking about the team side now. The team side, don't you want to keep him going in the good direction? And if the guy uh, threw a good game to somebody, I mean, you could still throw him there and then it's not a personal catcher scenario. It's just, it's back to back and you're, you're just trying to keep him going and and there's a, a coincidental day that you, it's a it's a good time to get Sanchez off. I just I think people are are, are making this too much of, of of nothing. It's 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 not a personal catcher scenario at this point. It's just not. It's it's only a, a few starts. If this is still go, occurring in July and August, then it's a personal catcher scenario. Yeah. I get it. Then it's just it's too soon to be even call anything like that. So. Some people are calling it, not just people like us, people who are actually, I mean, there's, there's talk about it who are people. Legitimate who are actually, people. Legitimate people. Are no, not like legitimate that. people. But you know what I mean? People who actually have inside knowledge. I mean, we have, we have sort of, we have outside knowledge and opinions. That's all we yeah. have. But I mean, in a way, I'm actually glad Tanaka struggled on Wednesday because it might put this whole personal catcher shit to bed. On the media side, because that's where I think it but is. That's I, don't, what, that's where, I don't think that's, it's a team thing. But that's where I feel like. I mean that's where we live. We live on that side. Fans live. We do on that live. Side. We do live on that side. But we we better really really hope that if we are to to look at the team that we're rooting for, if they are directly affected by the media, especially the New York media, if they don't have, if Girardi doesn't have thick skin at this point and doesn't give a shit what the media says and actually, you know, is affected decision wise by what the media is saying, then we got bigger problems because well. then he's listening to people who have no idea what they're talking about about baseball when he's the guy, he's the professional, he's the one who knows his guys the best, and and he's listening to outside chatter. It's I just don't think that's the that's a realistic scenario. You know, you know how the New York media can be. I mean, look what they did with the opt-out clause in Tanaka. There was a million stories going around about that. Tanaka kept getting asked about it, and he had to comment on it. Cashman had to comment on it. So if this personal catcher thing went on for uh, a couple more starts, like you said, then maybe it would become a thing, and that's another thing he has to, to comment on. And another thing he has to worry about, other than throwing cement-mixing meatballs to the Baltimore Orioles, which is the actual issue going on with Tanaka right now. Yes, that is the actual issue. Tanaka is not throwing the ball right. That's the problem. That's the problem. And it has there's, jack there's shit the, to do with who's catching him. 100%. I understand, I understand that, that you can prefer a catcher over someone. But to sit here and say, some people say, well, Romine has, uh, he has an ERA with, like, of... Whatever it was, three point something with Romine and seven point something with Gary Sanchez. See, it's the catcher. It's bullshit. It's so stupid. 
Yeah, it's just looking at a statistic and then making an argument based off numbers that don't make this. This is why I don't like advanced metrics because 95% of the time they're all horseshit. This is why Billy Bean will never get into the Hall of Fame because he's a oh, horseshit GM. There, huh? Yeah, he's a horseshit GM. Let's just base it off the numbers instead of actually looking at what's happening on the field when we're seeing the guy throwing meatballs and just obviously not executing his pitches to whoever the hell is catching. I could be catching the damn ball. He's not throwing the ball where I ask him to, ca- to throw it. It's ridiculous. Another thing that uh, is should be talked about with Tanaka is that this was a normal day's rest for him in this start, and he sucked. Last time out, because of the rainout, he had an extra day's rest. Now, that is an actual statistic where you can look at where there's a good amount of, um, of, of outings that, that do show something. They show a trend. Especially when, someone when, from Japan. When he's, when he's off, or I'm sorry, when he is off longer, he does better. That's just what... That is that is a that is a thing, and it's that funny because thing. I'm sure every pitcher in baseball is like that. I mean, to a certain extent, if you have nine days off, you're you're going to be rusty. But I'd sure I'm sure I'm going to go on a limb and say everyone's better with five days rest instead of four days rest. But Tanaka is like night and day. Yeah, it's unfortunate to uh, that, that that's the case. But you know what? At this point, honestly. I don't care what they got to do. If it's if that's the if that's what they have to do and they have to skip a start and they have to figure it out, then figure it out and let them do it. I don't really care. I really big, don't. It was a big start. I just want him to pitch well. It was a big start for Tanaka and the Yankees, who have not won a series in Baltimore since 2013. Think yeah, about that's that. That's a problem. That's a problem. They've sucked. I mean, they've sucked. I have some stats here. They've sucked on the road in the AL East altogether. Eight and twenty-three. Now going to be eight and twenty-four on the road since two thousand start of two thousand fourteen in Baltimore. I mean that that right there. Baltimore has been a really good team over the last few years. That that right there buries the Yankees in Tampa. They're two games under five hundred against Tampa Bay, and Tampa has stunk the last couple of years. They finish in the basement pretty much every season, and the Yankees are still two games under five hundred. And then since. Um, uh, in Toronto, the Yankees are two and eight since the start of last year, and they go to Toronto for four games this weekend. The only team they've handled is the Red Sox. They're seven games over five hundred against the Red Sox, but all those other teams—Baltimore, Toronto, Tampa—they've stunk against. And the Yankees have not finished that far out of the division the last couple of years, as bad as those te- as as the teams have been. But right there, that's we know why they haven't won the division is because they've stunk in their own division. Well, I think it's a little deceiving too, because when you look at where the division winner was, or where you know where when they were still in the hunt, they were still hovering around five hundred at that time. So they weren't. It's not like they were great teams. If anybody had a really good team in those divisions, they would have run away with it, and the Yankees wouldn't have been in, in the conversation. But you know, hovering around five hundred, they were still in there. Granted, I mean, it's the the numbers are telling. But here's this. Here's the deal. The the bottom line is is it's a completely different team right now. So we should throw these numbers out the window and and move forward to see what this team can do on the road. This is a this is a new team. They should not even be looking at these numbers. If I'm on this if I'm on this team, I'm looking around and I'm not seeing very many guys from, you know, the previous uh the, the previous couple of years, few, uh, three years and and this is this is my own this is my own history we're making right now and that's 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 how they should look at it. Absolutely. There's but still, we still struggle at, at Tampa. <laughs> Tampa is a freaking hole and we struggle and we're struggling again. At uh, Camden Yards. And Camden Yards used to be Yankee Stadium South. The Yankees used to crush at Camden Yards. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, it it is a different team. I think you're absolutely right. But the Yankees have lost both series if they lose tonight on Wednesday. They've lost both series this season in Baltimore. And 
this series kind of went down for for pitching. Not, I mean, I know their offense has been sort of collectively struggling. They broke out on Tuesday night, but Montgomery got off to a bad start on Memorial Day. He had a hundred pitches through four and a third innings. It was a Nathan Avaldi special. He was two two three two on everybody. He looked tentative. He looked like he was afraid of the the Orioles hitters. Let's get something straight. Avaldi would get through five. Okay, you need to give him some more credit, please, because right now you would be ecstatic with some Avaldi starts. In the game, winning winning almost 20 games a year, th- throwing... F- almost you know. 20 games a year? He won 14 <laughs> games once. What are you talking about? Almost oh, 20 he was phenomenal. games a year. You he can't even phenomenal. round up and get to 20. <laughs> <laughs> he had a he had some really good streaks, that, that Evaldi. He was such a good pitcher. Unbelievable how good he was. But Monty looked shitty. <laughs> Monty looked bad on Monday. Yeah, the problem with, with him is he's definitely running these these counts way too much. And that's been that's been kind of the tune all season. When he is not at his best, he's he's getting too deep in counts. He the pitch count's getting too high, and he's getting in trouble. I mean, even for the good starts, if you're looking at the if you circle the good starts on him, he still gets into trouble late in the games, a late home run or whatever. They kind of almost ruin ruin the start for when you look at the the final stat line. So it's an issue for him. He's got to cut down the walks. He's got to be around the strike zone more often. I don't know if that's pitching to contact. I don't know if he's trying to be too perfect. I don't know what it is, but. This is a guy that definitely needs to uh, to lower that count so he can get deeper into games. He's he has had really good pitching performance. I was I was about to say he's had good pitching performances against weak hitting teams, but then I remember he had a great outing against the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley. Yeah. So right. I mean it's, it, I mean Baltimore is a tough lineup for him to face. They've got a lot of right handed hitters between Machado, who I know is struggling, um, Trumbo. I mean, Davis is lefty, but he, he can hit the ball a mile. Mancini, Hardy. I mean, they're, that's a stacked lineup. So that's a tough matchup for Montgomery. Yeah, definitely. It's a tough matchup for any of the Yankee starters. I mean, they had the, the Baltimore Orioles can Not match. Severino. Uh, yeah, I mean, Severino pitched terrific. We'll get into that for sure. But, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a, it's a serious lineup. It's a major league lineup that will score runs all year long. These guys will not uh, have a team slump for very often because there are so many good hitters within that. And like you said, Machado, while he's been productive, he's been, you know, coming up big, I think in big moments because he still has some, he still has production numbers, but his batting average is way down. I mean, the guy's definitely not hitting where he, where he normally is. So uh, I expect that to be, you know, to, to find the the horizon at some point. Yeah. Didn't he have a golden sombrero on Tuesday four strikeouts? Yeah, he may, I, was it four or was it? I, it was, it was a Monday lot. or Tuesday. He had, I mean, he's looked lost in this series, and he's usually a Yankees killer. So the Yankees could, this situation could have been a lot worse. And Monday, the Yankees lost three to two, even though Montgomery only gave him four and a third innings. And one thing I, I've, I've sort of noticed is that the Yankees ran into a lot of outs. Um, Castro didn't score on a ground ball from Didi that went off the second baseman's glove, even though Espada was waving him home. So Castro kind of was asleep, didn't really see Espada waving him in. Another situation, Gardner tried to tag up on a fly ball to left field off the bat of Gary Sanchez. I don't know what the hell he was doing. I think I saw something tweeted that apparently Mancini's arm is weak, so the scouting report said run on him any chance you get. But I don't really like running on a fly ball to left field when you're already in scoring position. Well, right, and there was, uh, from from what I remember, there was one out on second. So he was in scoring position with... uh... He, I think what he was trying to do is obviously put himself in position for a fly ball to score a run. I, I thought maybe they, they thought that runs were at a premium at that point and they wanted to get a run and they could try to steal one at that point. So I don't know. Look, I mean, if, if you're going to, I'm not going to kill that because they were running on, you know, the guy had to make a perfect throw. And if they're running on the scouting report, usually Guardy, um, 
he's got the speed to do something like that. So there was something there, obviously. But and, you've uh, got Holiday. And CD made the perfect throw. You've got Holiday Castro Judge coming up at, with a couple cracks to get a base hit. And maybe if, you know, nine, eight and nine were coming up, you push the envelope. But not when you've got three, four, five coming up. It's stupid. Yeah, it's stupid base it. running. I, I get it. I, I don't. I don't hate it though. I mean, I, I kind of do like the aggressiveness occasionally. That's an easy fly ball from one of those guys too to to, to steal a run. I see what they're doing. I get it. I, I like the aggressiveness. To tell you the truth, with Gardner, you're not going to do that with many people. You would do that with Gardner, and uh, maybe Ellsbury, but that's it. Not even Ellsbury anymore. I don't think. Cause I feel like he's slow now. He's concussed. He's, he is concussed. He's confused and slow. Yeah, but it's just one of those things that in a three-two game, outs on the base path are more glaring. And and Dylan Bundy looked great. Um, I, I still think Dylan Bundy is a lumberjack. I think it's just because of his name, but, uh, I, I, he's been really good this year. He's been Baltimore's best pitcher. And I look at him pitch and I'm like, he none of his, none of his pitches look to me unhittable. So I don't really know how he's doing it. It's just kind of like a bunch of decent stuff. Yeah. And he's a guy that's, we've been hearing about forever and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And uh, they're finally getting some production out of the guy as far as being being healthy, and now he's living up to because he's been a what he's been a top prospect for a long time. I feel like I've I've been hearing about Dylan Bundy for years and years and years. I don't even know how long he's been in the system, but it seems like it's been a long time. Yeah, he had the he had the surgery. I think it was Tommy John surgery, so he, he's been delayed. But you know, he's putting it together for Baltimore now. He's definitely their best pitcher. Tuesday, the Yankees bats came alive. The bald bros Gardner and Holiday, two homers each. I want to talk about Brett Gardner who is playing, without a doubt, the best baseball of his career. 11 home runs since April 29th. That's a, over 1,000 OPS in that time span. Uh, th- this can't last. I mean, Gardner is not <laughs> – th- these are Aaron Judge numbers he's putting up. That's not what Gardner is. So how long, uh, how long are we going to ride this wave with Gardner? Because we've seen him go into slumps before. Yeah, I mean, the eventual, the slump's going to happen at some point. But I, I saw a quote from, uh, uh, it's not an exact quote, but I remember reading it at some point today about Judge talking about Gardner getting getting sick of him being a slap hitter. So he starts to hit the ball out of the <laughs> Challenged ball. Challenged him. Yeah, I think it's funny because it, there's obviously, you know, they were going back and forth, uh, Gardner and Holiday within the within the game itself. And they were, you know, trying to match each other. And even in the post-game interviews, if you're listening to what they were saying, that's exactly what was happening. Holiday comes back. He's like, I got you. I got you. And Gardner's like, all right. So they they were literally trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark to, to match each other. I, I like that. I think it's, I think it's, uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's good fun. competition within, no doubt. Have fun. Just like uh, you'll hear Chance Adams saying, if you're not having fun, it's not fun. So <laughs> you can't have fun without fun. Yeah. His, his own yogiism. It was perfect. But, um, but yeah, you know, I th- Gardner is, is elevating his game and you know, whether that's the, the, the people around him helping that, or he's just locked in. Um, he's completely healthy because he hasn't been in in a while. You know, we've we've seen lingering injuries from him. Maybe he's completely healthy and just taking a better approach. You know, he's maybe he's studying the advanced metrics and looking at the launch angle. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but it's working. I, thought, I hope uh, he does it. A direct quote from you earlier in this podcast: ninety five percent of advanced metrics are horse shit. Yeah, and it is. I just was mostly joking because there's no freaking way that Gardner looks at an advanced metric. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> uh, uh, also in that quote from Aaron Judge, he called Gardner a ball of muscle. Yeah, see, that's great. This is this is why I love this team. The, the, the vets, the young guys, they obviously have a good rapport. They poke at each other. They, uh, they challenge each other. It's perfect. This is a, a beautiful chemistry they got going on. 
Gardner is having uh, his OPS. Obviously, I said over a thousand in the last month plus, but for the season, it's still o- almost 150 points above what his career is. So he's going to come back down to earth. Um, let's just hope that by the time he does, Greg Bird is back. Uh, Aaron Judge is still hitting. Gary Sanchez is is in the lineup first of all, and also <laughs> hitting. I mean, he has not hit this year. He's, had he's a been super of, quiet. He's been super quiet. A couple of games where you've been like, okay, the Kraken is about to be released. He's hitting the ball hard, but he never has seemed to turn the corner. Um, but let's talk about Bird. He is making a rehab appearance in Tampa on Thursday in single A ball. Uh, Carter finally got the pine. How long have people <laughs> been calling for that? Two for his last 28. Your boy, Ref Snyder. Ref Snyder. Thank God. Finally, we get an opportunity. And uh, he'll probably go back to the bench at some point and then get set back down to Scranton. No hits but, for, for your boy, Ref. Yeah, he had some great at-bats, some professional he at-bats. Walked. I he walked. Him. That's more than Carter could do. No doubt. He was on base. We had an opportunity. <laughs> That's When you looked at this at-bat, there was hope. You knew you weren't gonna, there was no strikeout. Uh, can we implement, if we're talking about, we've been having these conversations about pace of play and, the, you know, if we're going to wa- intentionally walk a guy, we just can, when Chris Carter comes out, can we just do like the intentional strikeout so that we can just pass that at bat and move forward? Cause it, that's what's happening every time. I was, uh, I was home over the weekend and I'm watching the game with my dad and we were watching one of the Chris Carter at bats and he was just complaining about how he starts every at bat in the hole. Oh, and two. And the face never changes. No, it doesn't. It's just the same stupid looking smirk. It's Todd Bowles' face. It's awful. Yes. It's the worst thing ever. And yeah, it's making me feel like I'm watching the Jets. It's, <laughs> it's, it makes me angry. Thank God <laughs> he's. Oh, I mean, he's a he's a one year throwaway signing. It's just it's it's obvious he made makes and made no sense for this team. If it weren't for Greg Bird's injury, we would never see him. But that's the reason they signed him. That was the whole point of why they signed a guy like this because. I think they didn't have confidence in Bird coming back from that injury. They didn't know. Granted, but it's a different a totally injury, but there was a different injury. But, I understand but, that, but it was a it was Scott, a fail safe. It was a fail safe. Greg Bird, I anointed him the MVP at the end yes. of end of March. Yes, you did. I don't know if you'd want to so admit Greg that. Greg Bird longer, was. We all thought Greg Bird was going to be their best player, and we were not going to even see Chris Carter. It, it actually people were praising Cashman because Tyler Austin broke his foot shortly after the Carter signing. But I mean, come on. Ref Snyder could have done what Carter has done over the last two months. No problem. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. Anybody could. The, here's the deal with Carter, though. We didn't think he was this bad. That's, oh, I did. I no, did. you didn't. Yes, There's I no did. way we thought he was this bad. Yes, this I, I, bad is ridiculous. The way he, the way, no, I don't think you saw the actual at-bats before. Because we never had this conversation until we actually saw, like, what in the hell? The approach, the swing, the, the look on his face... What's happening here? How is this guy in the major leagues? I knew like we, he all, was we, we saw Dunn. numbers. I know you saw the strikeout numbers and you saw that. We knew he was going to strike out a bunch, but we thought he was going to roll into some home runs. He's playing full time. Like your whole argument was that he's not going to play full time, so he's not going to run into that many home runs. That's true. Well, he is, but he is playing full time and he's not running into the home runs. Yep. He's worse than we thought. I don't. I. I. He is. I'm not saying this with any sarcasm. I don't understand how he's a major league baseball player. I totally agree with you. I don't get it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's terrible. He does he he provi- he has one aspect to his game and it's not even that good. So so glad we don't have to see much more of him. 
Well, hopefully. Don't say that because you're going to jinx it and we're going to have Stephen Drew all year long like we did. Or we're going to have Chris Carter like we did Stephen Drew all freaking year. It's just not going to go away. Something's going to happen. So knock on wood right now or I'm blaming you. It's still a carryover of your MVP jinx. Now we're at a point where I mean, we weren't missing the first base production when one through eight in the lineup was was going bonkers but now that a, a few of the other guys are slumping i mean it's 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 clear i mean you can't have a black hole at first base you just can't no and look we knew this team was not going to do what they did early in the season i mean the entire team was blazing hot chase headley was leading the league for like a month in, mm, op- in yeah, something maybe, maybe like six games in a lot. No, it was more than six games. It got to a point where you had nothing to say because it was it was way longer than anybody expected. I knew it was coming back down to earth, though. Right. I mean, granted, that's that's baseball, Susan, but the, the fact of the matter is he's really came back. But a lot of the team has come back down to earth, you know, maybe uh, not definitely not to that extent. But obviously we knew we weren't going to be – this team wasn't going to be as, as smoking hot as it was. But, um, yeah, the production at first base, it's a power position. You need that production. So – we really do need Greg Bird to come back and, and be healthy and, and get that confidence up. You know, I don't need that Greg Bird little side-eyed Derek Jeter walk Greg Bird. I don't need that guy. I need the confident Greg Bird. So far this season, Aaron Judge and Starlin Castro have been what we thought Gary Sanchez and Greg Bird would be at the plate. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'd say that's fair. That's, that's, a, that's a, a pretty good comparison. I think that we didn't have any expectation for Judge, honestly. But and, but we thought Gary Sanchez was was going to be a beast, and we thought oh, no doubt uh, Bird was going to be a beast. So so yeah. if we can get eighty percent of what we expected from Sanchez and Bird at the beginning of the year, now we're talking about something where the the Yankees don't have to have everybody clicking in the lineup. They can they can um, rely on those core guys. Well, and that's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen. We're going to get. Or first of all, Sanchez is. You're right. He hasn't looked like the same guy, obviously. I mean, the same guy. I think we, we told everybody, if you listen to us in the winter, you should have lower expectations at this point. <laughs> because I think we shoved it down your throat for weeks and weeks and weeks that you need to lower your expectations for a guy that got off some ridiculous blazing streak that will never happen again and had, and had never happened up until that point. So it was just unrealistic to, to expect the production that he was uh, Sanchez was giving at the, after he had come up. But the, these guys have, have come down to earth. Sanchez is going to be a productive hitter still. I still think he's a very good hitter. And I think Greg Bird's a good hitter. While I, I still am into the tune, I don't think he's going to hit for average. I still think he's a 250, 260 guy and will hit you know 25, maybe 30 home runs. At the very least, Gary Sanchez is a presence in the lineup, something that Austin Romine is not. That's true. Although Austin Romine was one of those guys who was carrying the team was part of the carrying of the team because he was doing extremely well he was offensively. Doing better than we thought. Yeah, I mean, he was doing he was doing way better. So than we, we got a mailbag question about him being the best backup catcher in, in baseball. So that is true. That is I true. liked what I saw out of Severino on the, in that game as well. He was overshadowed by the offense, but he escaped a couple of bases loaded jams. But he got screwed on some infield hits and some weak singles. So he looked good. It, it's funny how you can uh, you can rely on those. Uh, getting screwed by weak singles and you know squeaking through he the had infield. Three infield singles let up in yeah. one inning. Come on. Yeah. No, it's just funny because that's was that was I, I I think I said that every single start for Nathan Avaldi, and it was all it was <laughs> oh, all you did was shit on He's it. But now now I now that it's convenient. Now that it's convenient. I cannot listen to you praise Nathan Avaldi anymore when he's on the freaking Tampa Bay Rays recovering <laughs> from surgery. 
No, but Severino was good. He still had that dominant stuff, and the uh, all his pitches were were working really well. He got into a jam. Um, what was that? The second inning escaped in the second inning. Yep. Yeah, it was a bases loaded jam, and he got out of it. And uh, with I think one run came across during that no, inning. No, uh, he he didn't give up a run. I thought until later in the game. Maybe I, maybe I'm mis- maybe I'm misremembering, but um. There was a, he got out of that jam. I remember him getting out of a big jam and he was dominant after that. I thought he was, he was very good. And, uh, it's, it's really good to see him put back to back starts together. And if you're looking at the last, what, four, he's been good yep. with, with one exception. We, we kind of touched a couple weeks ago that maybe, to, uh, excuse me, um, Severino, uh, Severino might, might be regressing a little bit, but he seems mm-hmm. to have halted that. Yeah, because the regression, I think talking about regression, it, you have to go pretty far for us to really say he's regressing Regressing compared to what he's done, you know, last year. Last year was the regress. This year is all about moving forward. Well, and, instead uh, he's done of, a great job. We were seeing little things that uh, instead of improving from start to start were maybe weakening start to start. But um, it, was, it was a minor hiccup. Uh, Severino has been, has been fine. He's been great. Uh, I also want to talk about... Um, Chance Adams. I know we we talked to Chance Adams, but let's talk about him and when we might see him in the major leagues. He's had an unbelievable minor leagues this season, and his start today: six innings, twelve strikeouts on Wednesday against Columbus. Uh, an opposing scout said he looks like a major league pitcher, power breaking stuff, and a plus fastball. He's got four pitches. We kind of talk about that with him. His four pitch mix. This is exciting because he's rocketed through the system. Yeah, and it's it's been um, it's it's not it's not very often when you have a guy like this that from I, I didn't realize when we were talking to him that he played um, junior college, then he went to Dallas Baptist uh, in his ju- junior year, and then got drafted after his junior year. So I was um, that was a that was new to me. I didn't realize that he had played before Dallas Baptist as well. Um, this is guy. This is not a guy that was you know blazing scout coming out of high school or college. This is a guy who was a, a reliever, a starter. And you could just tell when you're talking to him. First of all, he's a relaxed dude. He just not not much bothers him. I guarantee it. There's not much that bothers him. He goes out with an agenda, and he does, and he he basically just sticks to his game plan. And he's confident. He's extremely confident in his pitches. He's a, he's a he's got a, a confident demeanor on the mound from everything you see. And when you hear him talk to him, you can tell that that he's got confidence in his abilities. And uh, it's obviously translating on the pitcher's mound because. What is he? Twenty and two in the minor leagues? That's stupid. With a two O ERA, and he just keeps progressing. And every single, every single time he moves up, he does well. So promising does, stuff. Does not strike me as somebody who needs a personal catcher. No, and we talk about that. I'm <laughs> well, glad you asked that. I'm well, glad you asked that question. There. I yes, had to. Yes. We had a pitcher. We had a major league. We had a, a professional pitcher on the mount uh, on the yeah. podcast. I had to ask him about that. That's the hot topic. Yeah, absolutely, I, and I think his answer is uh, is very telling. Uh, his stats in minor league minor leagues career twenty three and three one point nine six ERA. It's, uh, yeah. that's not bad. Yeah, that's stupid. That's that's and that's that's a guy who was uh, who was a reliever before he even got to the Yankees system. That's crazy. Um, well, uh, going around around baseball at this point, the the brawl between Harper um, and uh, what Hunter, uh, what's his name, Strickland, Strickland, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Harper and Strickland. What did you think of that? I thought the pictures and the videos afterwards were better than the actual brawl, just because of all the amount of uh, like the amount of things that happened within that little brawl, like Samarja coming out of nowhere and just 
taking out his own people. The amount of hair Did that was involved the, in that brawl. The person Samarjo ran into uh, is concussed. I don't, I don't doubt it. He came in like a freight train. <laughs> and this is a dude that played football in Notre Dame. Not, not a small guy. Like he was coming in to block. Uh, a block of safety. That's that's what, what was happening. He was blowing up. It's like a, on a he was blowing up the V on a on a on a punt return, a kick return. The guy was. Um, so I, I I disagree with a lot of people's take. I don't think Bryce Harper threw the helmet like a like people were comparing it to um, fifty cent. Fifty cent, which is ridiculous. Fifty cent just can't throw anything. <laughs> like, first of all, Harper, I don't Except think was going to hit him with it. When you go back to it. It looks like it slipped out of his hand. Whatever. Yeah. I, I don't think he was going to hit him with the. I don't think he was going to hit him with the helmet. I think oh, he was going to throw it past him. Hundred percent trying to hit him. No, with I think the he was going to throw it past him. I think no. he was going to throw it by him. Throwing the anyway, helmet. Throwing the helmet's a bitch move there by by Harper. It is a bitch move, and that's why uh, I, I hope that it was. You want to go out it. there? You want to go out there and throw punches or tackle him? Fine. I'll no equipment. No equipment. Do not involve equipment because right. You hit. Say he hit Strickland in the face with that helmet. Busted nose, possible concussion. Like that's ridiculous. No, smashing his face. That's that's a that's a hard plastic object from almost point blank. That's and I guarantee Bryce Harper could throw the ball pretty hard. <laughs> and, the hard- yeah, and do you remember uh that minor league um brawl? It was uh, a Red Sox prospect named Izzy Alcantara, and he went out there swinging the bat at the pitcher after he kicked the ch- the catcher in the chest. Didn't Delman Young do the same thing? Probably. Or his brother? Yeah, it was one of the Young Dimitri. brothers. Dimitri or, Dim, or Delman Young. One of the two yeah. of them came, went after somebody with a bat. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't do that. I mean, that's just uh, that's assault, brother, right there. That's, that's not good. That's, you're going to get some charges uh, drawn up on you if you start going after people with a, with a weapon like a bat. or you know, the, Especially this day and age, you're definitely going to get arrested. So where the, but, hell, where the hell was Posey? What, what the hell was he doing? I understand Strickland is kind of being a jackass for – Throwing yeah. at Harper for something from 2014, I mean, that's petty. That's ridiculous. Right. But teammates are teammates. I guess not at that point. <laughs> I guess yeah, Buster I'd Posey's be, like... I'd be really pissed if I was a, a teammate of Buster Posey in that situation. Oh, I, no doubt. I understand that there's you know some things you can't condone, but when, when, when there's a brawl happening in front of you, you side with your teammates. You don't sit there and twiddle your thumbs. And we talked yeah, about but- this with the whole Jeter A-Rod thing, remember? Yeah, but don't you uh, don't you remember the fact that the major league that major league baseball changed rules because of Buster Posey That's not true. getting he's injured? The golden boy, he's the golden boy. No, he's not going to go out there and hurt himself because we can't even we can't even run over to the catchers anymore because of Buster Little Posey. He might crack you know, a nail. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. he's he's uh, he's obviously he's a, he's a well known he's a well known little you know little little dainty boy who doesn't like to get hit. So that's what he is. Yeah, he's got a label now. He's definitely got a label. Yeah, bad luck. I, I, he was always one of my favorite players. I thought he was, I thought he was a leader. I mean, he is a leader of that team. You're a leader I of think, that team. You can't be doing that. Maybe he is the leader of the team, and they were calling for a code red, and that was uh, part of it. I mean, Strickland is a is a bullpen guy. They could easily get rid of him. I think over Posey, no problem. But, but yeah, I wonder if there'll be any any issues there. Um, Coming up, the Yankees are going to Toronto, and the Blue Jays, after a really rough start, are, are actually hot right now. They're almost back at 500. Boston is also really hot right now. And I thought this was interesting. The Yankees started 21 and nine, and they're nine and 10, about to be nine and 11 if they lose on Wednesday night. Since then, yeah, and that's uh, that's that's I think that's just telling on how the offense is rolling. The 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 offense was so ridiculously hot early in the season that it was carrying. 
the entire team and really just masking a lot of the deficiencies that this team had. And uh, now we're seeing, you know, more of these these glaring problems that are that are that are happening with the with the team. And the offense isn't carrying the rest of it, so you're seeing it more. You're paying attention to them more. They're more obvious. And uh, and that was with Toronto. I mean, you look at the injuries, the amount of injuries that they sustained Ridiculous. early in the season. Crazy. I mean, they're, practically their entire starting rotation was out. Uh, Jay happens back now. I, I I think he just started. Um, but Sanchez, Liriano. Uh, Donaldson, Tulowitzki, Russell Martin, Steve Pierce. I mean, these are these are guys. Steve Pierce was supposed to come over and and at least platoon at first base, if not take over that first base role for Encarnacion. And I mean, add Encarnacion to that of guys that they're missing from the previous year. That that's a ridiculous amount of people. So, you know, they're they're now back reloaded and just in time to take on the New York Yankees. It's a big series, four game series. The Blue Jays are riding hot. I mean, did. They're yeah. not out of this, obviously. They're going to use no. this as a benchmarking series. And we said it at the beginning of the podcast how how much the Yankees have struggled on the road in their own division. This is a legit series coming up. I totally agree. And I think that you're going to you're definitely going to see some very inspired baseball from the Toronto Blue Jays, especially because they've gotten a lot of their guys back just recently. So they're going to want to get off to a good start. And then seeing the Yankees, who have been the talk of Major League Baseball basically for the entire year, Aaron Judge is the talk of the town. Uh, the talk of the country, really, when you're talking about baseball. I mean, the dude's everywhere now. Uh, they're gonna want. They're, there's a mark on their back now. The Yankees uh, again have a uh, a target on them. It's been a while, but it's there now. They're it's beginning with the Monday game against Baltimore. They were starting 13 straight games against the AL East. They they kind of ha- didn't play the AL East much in May. So, uh, getting 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 gonna get interesting for the AL East race and and. So right now the Yankees and Red Sox at top, which I think how you and I both want to see it for the rest of the season because that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, no doubt about it, especially with the uh, the young core of both teams, hopefully in some uh, some big heated series uh, down in the in the middle of the summer when it's hot and everybody's sick of it and they're all just hating each other. That would be uh, that'd be that'd be some good times to get some uh, some tensions brewing. We need that rivalry to get back because it's dead right now. All right, guys, let's get into this interview. But again, one last reminder, call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. And as we said, rate and review the podcast. Enjoy this interview, Chance. Now joining us on the podcast is Chance Adams, pitcher for Scranton Wilkesbury. Chance. First question I got to ask you. I was looking through your Instagram today. I saw you were wearing a Yankees hat back in 2012. So what's the story there? Were you a Yankees fan growing up? Um, I was a Dimebacks fan, uh, but I liked the I liked the Yankees. I it was my first travel ball team, so it's probably why I was wearing it. I don't know if it has an M in it or not. My travel ball team was the McDowell Mountain Yankees. Okay. Uh, if it doesn't, then I, I probably just had the hat. My, I probably just. I mean, I like watching them. They were the best growing up. So, yeah, I so saw you. Uh, you grew up, grew up in Arizona, so that 2001 World Series. It's got to be tough being a Diamondbacks, but also a Yankees supporter back then. Yeah, and no, I actually was able to go to a game two and I uh, watched Randy pitch, um, which was awesome. And uh, yeah, that was definitely a cool experience. Was he so watching the Diamondbacks? Was Randy Johnson one of your guys just growing up? I mean, did you watch? We've talked to a bunch of a bunch of the guys when we talk when we asked them about watching baseball as kids or growing up. A lot of them were like, "No, nah, I didn't really watch it. I just played it mostly." Were you are you one of those guys who was playing it and you got just sick of it and didn't want to watch it, or were you just immersed and would watch it as well? 
No, I didn't watch a lick. I just, uh, my dad and my mom would take me to a gamer here and there. And, um, and then I, that's probably the only baseball I watched as a kid was that World Series. I mean, and then if I was eating and there was a game on at a restaurant, <laughs> I was at. But other than that, no, I didn't. I didn't really watch it. I didn't really have any idols growing up or anything like that. I mean, I liked Willie Mays when I was younger when I played in the field just because of the athleticism and stuff. But, like, I was a pitcher when I was younger, so I didn't really, like, have any favorite pitchers or anything. Yeah, you're probably running around your backyard trying to make those fake over the over the shoulder catches like yep. Willie Mays. Yeah, <laughs> I think yep. we all did that. <laughs> so, uh, all right, if you didn't watch any baseball, did you watch football? What other sports were you watching? I didn't really watch. I was kind of out. I was outdoor. I was an outdoor kid a lot of, whether I was at my mom's house or my dad's. I was just outside, just doing something, throwing the ball against the wall, or, uh, uh I don't know shooting stuff. I don't know. I just, I just like to be outside riding my longboard. I did a lot of stuff when I was younger, just jumped around different hobbies. Nice. That's, that was pretty much what I did when I was a kid. If I was at, if I was at my mom's house, I would do one thing. If I was at my dad's, I would go and we'd be in the woods, whether it was in the winter, we'd make a loose track doing something outdoors constantly. So I feel you on that. I was, right. a, I was an outdoor kid myself. Um, Right on, man. So you grew up in Arizona. We're just trying to get to know you a little bit so the, uh, the audience can, can uh, know who Chance Adams is. I think everybody is expecting uh, all the baseball questions. They want to know exactly you know, what's happening because I think a lot of people are, are gearing up for you to come into uh, the Bronx at some point this season. Um, but growing up, uh, you went to college in Dallas as well, right? You're, so you went to – that was a pretty drastic difference yeah, going to college. Year. Okay. Yeah, that was my that was my last. Year. I went to JUCO at Yavapai Community College. Okay. Um, for two years, and then I went to I went to Dallas Baptist for my junior year. Um, and yeah, that's where I got drafted from. So, but yeah, no, it was it was definitely different going from Arizona to Dallas, and but I mean the change was great. I mean that was an amazing school. I'll always be grateful for that school, and uh, yeah. It was, it, so yeah, when you were in college, you were a relief pitcher, and then I saw the Yankees converted you to a starting pitcher in your first full season. So, what was that transition like? Talk about the adjustments you had to go through that season, and were you surprised when they told you that? No, but what happened was that Yavapai came in. I was like a relief slash closer in my first year, and then uh, my second year, I actually started. Um, it was like every Friday game and it was like our seven inning one. Um, so I would always throw that. Um, and then after that, I went to Dallas Baptist and that's where I was a reliever. And then I got drafted as a reliever and they basically told me that they're going to use me as a starter, get me geared up for a starter. So that's why if you go back and look at my first little half season, whatever you call that, um, I pitched every fifth day. So like a starting rotation, but it was only three innings max just because they were trying to get me acclimated. So I kind of knew already right when I got drafted. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I don't think many guys get get uh, transitioned that early as far as you know, recognizing where they want you long term within the organization. So that's that's a pretty early uh, that's a pretty early set. They obviously saw that you had you know the the abilities to uh, to be an effective starter. So. What does that do for your confidence when you're, when well, you're making just, that transition? 
they just saw that I had four pitches, and they're like, yeah. you know, well, just try him. And worst thing that happens is he sucks at it, and we just throw him to relievers. So, I mean. Yeah, I feel like that's a fallback for a lot of uh, failed starters. And, I mean, obviously some guys have tremendous success it doing works, that. So, yeah. yeah. Mariano Rivera was okay. The guy has. The guy has good, you know, four pitches, and I mean, why not try him? If he gets hurt or can't handle it, I mean, he only lose, lose maybe like a year or two, and then you just throw him in the bullpen, and he goes back to dominating. So, so speaking of your your four pitch mix, you had an awesome start today against Columbus, six innings, twelve strikeouts. At what point in the game, or does it come in warmups where you know you've got it and you're going to mow people down? It's usually after the first inning. I mean, you'll know, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I usually go out with a certain confidence every time and try and do my best. And um, you know, the strikeouts sometimes come and they don't. It's better when they do, though. It's you know, it's nicer. Uh, but uh, no, today stuff felt good. The pen, my stuff was 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 good. Um, it was all right. And then I got in that first inning, and I just kind of felt real locked in, and I just was clicking with Wilkin and. I don't know. I just just felt good today. I guess. You said you were clicking it was with. Hot. So I was like, finally, it's freaking hot. And I, I, yeah, I mean, summer's coming. So I love I love pitching when it's hot. I mean, I like sweating because it just I just feel my arm heating up, and it's just it's just nicer. I mean, I I'm not a cold weather guy. I mean, I can do it if I'm just relaxing though, like with a fire around. But I mean, if it's baseball, no, I want it to be hot or you know beautiful, one of the two, but not cold. I gotta ask you. You but mentioned no, you were, fun. sorry. You mentioned you were clicking with Wilkin Castillo, the the catcher for you guys. How much does the catcher play into your your approach on the mound, your game plan, day in and day out, going about things? I mean, I'm, I've been good with most of my catchers. I mean, I, I I threw to Eddie, and I threw to. I mean, I've thrown to Kyle a lot. I'm real comfortable with Kyle. Um, and Eddie too. I've thrown to him quite a few times now. I mean, we we do we do great together too. Um, so I mean, I, I I usually click with my catchers. I just kind of tell them beforehand what I like to do with two strikes and uh, whatnot, and depending on the batter, and they know them better than I do usually. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely an important role. I mean, if I'm out there just in a good rhythm, and all of a sudden I just start shaking, shaking, step off, doing that every two pitches. I mean, we're not in a good rhythm, so. Um, whenever me and the catcher in a good rhythm, it's always it's always going to be a good day. If you read the scouting reports, more often than not, that's cool. If you're reading the scouting reports, they're I think the biggest one of the uh, one of the glaring uh, pros of your game is your your slider. Everybody says that your slider is uh, is is professional ready. It's ready to go. Are you most confident in that slider, or you know, throwing the scouting reports out of the out the window? What do you feel the most confidence in on a, on a daily basis, or does it does it change throughout your outings? It depends on the hitter. Yeah. It depends on righty or lefty, but uh, yeah, I'm fine with I'm fine with any of my pitches, honestly. Change up, I have a little bit of little bit of resilience to throw, but or res, res, resistance to throw on it. But um, you know, it's, I'm getting there with that. That's the one pitch I really am just trying to focus on and. So I've thrown it so much in my last few starts, but uh, except today, I only threw it like four times. But uh, yeah, no, I I feel confident in most of them. Is the changeup a newer pitch? 
No, I just usually don't really throw it. I just didn't usually throw it. I would just fastball slider and mix in a curve here and there and kind of just work for me. Um, but in the big league level and even at this level, AAA, you get to those hitters where you really need a change up, whether it's a quick out or whether it's, um, you know, looks just like fastball and then you just get that little ground out you need. So, I mean, just depends. You moved up from double A Trenton to triple A this season, maybe aside from like better quality buses or better quality food. What's the biggest difference between those two leagues? Are you talking playing wise? Are you talking like amenity, like uh, whatever, whatever you want. What's the first thing you notice when you, when you walked, uh, when you, First made it to AAA. The first thing I noticed was the buses because that was like one of the first <laughs> things I got in. I was like, oh, these are nicer. <laughs> um, and then other than that, I mean, there's a different energy, in my opinion, uh, when you're up here, when you come from AA to trips. Maybe it's just because, you know, they're one step away rather than like, oh, I have another level to go. I don't, I don't know. Just a different energy up here. Guys are kind of more locked in and kind of, I don't know. They just got I wouldn't, I shouldn't say more locked in. They just, I don't know. It's just a different energy. You just got to be in that energy. I don't know how to explain it. What's the atmosphere it's like in the – when you're when you're in AAA and in, in Trenton as well, what's the atmosphere like in there? Obviously, uh, there there have been championships won at both levels. So there's a lot of really touted – highly touted prospects that are uh, expecting to make a you know a difference in the in the majors at some point soon. What's the uh, what's the atmosphere like with all these guys there? Uh it's great. I mean, we all have a lot of fun, but we also work really hard. And um, so, I mean, it's just hard work and, you know, having fun too. I mean, the game's not, you know, fun without fun. So we uh, <laughs> just kind of uh, joke around at times, but then when game time hits, we're serious and do our job and also have a little bit of fun while you play or there's another point to do it. So, um, you know, just kind of like that. I'd say it's a good mix of both. Yeah, like you like you said, you got to have fun. Did you uh, do anything to have fun after today's game? After you had that nice outing? Nah, I, I, I mean, kind of. I mean, it was just we went and saw a movie because we just had the uh, we had, we actually got off at a decent hour today, so uh, had time to do something for once. So we just kind of went out and saw a movie, and then we went out to eat, and then uh, I just got back home, about to just hang out with the guys after this or my roommates, just the guys that I live with. What'd you see? Uh, we saw Baywatch. Yeah, I've heard it's not very good. What'd you think? I really liked it. I thought, I mean, of course, you're going to have all like the critics who want it. Like, I mean, what do they expect? It's supposed yeah. to be kind of like a, a funny, you know, comedy type movie. And that's exactly right. what it was. I mean, what are you looking like for Lord of the Rings out of it? Like, you're not going to get that. So, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean I'm going to look like for a movie like similar to like neighbors or something. I mean, it's kind of like that. I mean, I just, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Neighbors with the movie critic. Yeah. Neighbors with the raw. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's definitely a good movie. We're going to see pirates of the Caribbean, but the majority vote ruled for Baywatch. So we saw Baywatch. I like that you guys uh, go with the majority vote and then everyone sticks together. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you pay attention to what's going on in the major leagues? Are you guys, you know, constantly watching the games and seeing what these guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. We watch the games. Yeah. I usually watch Jordan's star just cause you know, I know him pretty, pretty well. So I just make sure he's doing good and he's been doing good. So it's just fun to watch him pitch, you know, licking, licking your chops to get up there sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, whenever. I mean, they'll call me up when they feel time's ready. I'm just, you know, <laughs> just going to go out and do my job. Nothing I can do about it. So That's probably a good yeah, approach. to the guys that do. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's whatever. It's probably a good approach. Well, uh, well, Chance, we'll let you get back to enjoying your evening, your your night off, and uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you, guys. You guys have a nice night. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.